Welcome to Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno. You'll want to grab your Bible and follow along, verse by verse, with Pastor John. We continue through the book of Acts. We're in chapter 11, starting at verse 1. Get out of God's way. Do you realize the Holy Spirit is moving and working all around us? He is wooing and pulling and convicting and bringing more people to Christ. And he doesn't really need our help. He actually needs us to get out of the way and to not be a roadblock, to not be a stumbling block, to not be a barrier to his work and to his church. I believe as a Christian, uh, we should think of the church as a family and welcoming God's people into his house and welcoming strangers and seekers and the lost. Oh, please come, hear the message, experience the worship, God's love, the touch of the Holy Spirit. And we want to be bringing people in, not pushing people out. We want to be a fragrance, an aroma that draws them and not a stench that drives them away. And maybe you've met Christians and been a part of churches where it's condemning, it's judgmental, they're mean-spirited, that mean old deacon, that pastor who just is so, you know, wants to set you on fire every time he preaches, you know. Uh, But we want to have God's love and grace and mercy. We want to find where the Holy Spirit is working, and we want to join his work. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will say, just move out of the way, watch what I'm doing, but to to see the work of the Holy Spirit, you have to get in tune spiritually and observe and pray and see and seek and discern what the Holy Spirit is doing. Jesus did that really well, and he would sense the Spirit was present, the Spirit was moving, and he'd teach and preach and do miracles and signs and wonders. We need to be like Christ and be sensitive to the work and the drawing and the flow of the Holy Spirit. And church is about bringing people in, not pushing people out. And once someone has repented of their sins and turned to Christ, they are a member of the family of God. They are brothers and sisters in Christ, no matter what color, what background, what side of the tracks they live. Once someone comes to Christ, they're in the family, and we must welcome them and love them in. Tell the church what God is doing. Sometimes we got to catch up to God. What is God doing now? And Peter knows what God is doing. The Holy Spirit has been working on his heart, changing his attitude, his lessons, his background, to accept the Gentiles in, to accept his enemies, the Romans, in, like the centurion Cornelius. And so Peter now discerns what the Spirit is doing, but now he has to catch the rest of the church up to speed. And he must go to headquarters and tell them, look at what God is doing. He's letting the Gentiles in. We have to be open. We must open the doors. Acts chapter 11, verse 1. Now the apostles and the brethren who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. 
Bad news travels quickly. You think it would be good news. The Gentiles are getting saved. Hooray! Oh, no, these Jews have flipped their wigs. You know, and Judea is the region of Jerusalem. It is headquarters. These are the uh, apostles of the church. These are the elders and the leadership and the, the council of Jerusalem, the headquarters of the church. And many Jews and many church leaders and apostles are not happy. And what is going on way over there in that foreign country? Somehow the news, the gossip has spread. Have you heard what Peter did? Oh my gosh, he better come and give an account. What in the world is he doing opening the doors to the Gentiles? And you see, the Holy Spirit was targeting Peter. He is Simon Peter, the rock. He's the leader. He's Jesus' right-hand man. And if the Holy Spirit can win over Peter, then Peter can win over the apostles. He can win over the Jerusalem council, then the elders, then the whole church will come over to the side of the Holy Spirit in welcoming all nationalities, even Gentiles. This is God's strategy, verse 2. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, this is now the leadership, the Jerusalem council, we call them, those who were circumcised took issue with him. The circumcised are the Jewish Christians. I think the NIV says they, they are criticizing and critiquing him. What were you thinking? <laughs> You're letting the wrong people into the church. This isn't the way it's supposed to be, Peter. What is going on? Verse 3, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and you ate with them? What are you doing? You're a Jew. Be orthodox. Be clean. Be separate from these Gentile dogs, these unclean people. What are you thinking? It's just like Jesus got criticized, right? Oh, look at the priests and the Sadducees would always, look at Jesus. He eats with sinners and publicans and, and prostitutes and sinners. And he's talking to the woman at the well. She's a Samaritan. What are you thinking? He's interacting with half-breeds and even ministering to Gentiles. And Jesus got criticized. So Peter is in good company by copying Christ and reaching out to all people. And we need to be like Jesus and we need to be like Peter and be colorblind to the races and not think of class and status and this person's handicapped or whatever. We need to love and accept and reach out to all people. Maybe they're outside your clique. You know, I like to say Calvary Chapel is a click-free zone. Well, they're not in the group. They're on the outside. Well, you need to bring them inside. What would Jesus do? Verse 4. But Peter began speaking and proceeded to explain to them in orderly sequence, saying, Well, let me tell you what God is doing. <laughs> Here's the work of the Holy Spirit. Let me retell you the story, and maybe you've known it because you've read the chapters before. Well, here we'll catch you up. Verse 5. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. The Holy Spirit gave me a spiritual gift, a vision. 
an object coming down like a great sheet lowered by four corners from the sky. It was like a gigantic picnic tablecloth, you know. I think of the red and white checkered, you know, picnic cloth, you know, and Yogi Bear, you know, and Boo Boo trying to steal picnic baskets, yes, you know. But instead of a spread of picnic food, it was filled with animals like a zoo. And I think of the four corners of the sheet as the four corners of the earth. Because Jesus said, go into all the world, to every person, everyone who has breath, every nationality, to the very corners of the earth, like the four corners of the heavenly sheet. And it came right down to me. It was a vision that God gave me from heaven to me. It was the Holy Spirit speaking to me, verse 6. And when I had fixed my gaze on it, and was observing it, I saw four-footed animals of the earth and wild beasts and the crawling creatures, snakes and lizards and, and the birds of the air, so many animals, clean and unclean, a pig, a dog, a cat, bizarre animals, a vulture, unclean, dirty animals that Jews do not associate with their scavenger animals, They are unclean. You don't eat them. They're not kosher. They can carry diseases if they're not prepared right, uh, refrigerated, what have you. Verse 7, I also heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. Heaven called me by name. Heaven said, Butcher these animals. Cook them. Eat them. But I said, by no means, Lord, no, Lord, for nothing unholy or unclean has ever entered my mouth. I've been Orthodox Jew. I eat kosher. I don't eat pig. I don't eat, you know, snake. I don't eat, you know, uh, shellfish and lobster and dog and cat. I only eat pure, clean animals that are not scavenger. But a voice from heaven answered a second time, what God has cleansed no longer consider unholy. Peter starts to understand the vision, the dream. The animals represent all the people of earth, so many different nationalities, and God has cleansed them. And through the power of the cross, we can all come to God. We can have repentance. We're no longer on the outside. Through the power of the cross, the veil of the temple has been rent, ripped. And Jesus prophesies of the doom of the holy temple and its walls and its stones being dismantled. Even today, you can go to the Temple Mount and see the temple is no more. We need not a temple. We're not cut off. We're not separated by all those walls, right? Uh, The women have to go behind the wall, the Gentiles behind the wall, the handicapped people outside the wall. If you're not a Jew, you can't come in. If you're not a priest, if you're not a special priest, if you're not the high priest, You cannot come into the Holy of Holies. God has dismantled the temple through the power of the cross, and we need not human priests anymore. All we need is Jesus. And through his blood and through his cross, every person, slave and free, woman, female, Jew, Gentile, Greek, we can all come in. No one 
is a dog. No one is unholy. No one is excluded from Christianity and from the church. And Peter gets it. But the church has to catch up. Verse 10. This happened three times. God repeated it again and again and again. It is the triple forte. It is big, bigger, and biggest, right? God says it three times to emphasize the importance of the dream and to drill it into Peter's memory. And everything was drawn back up into the sky. And behold, at that moment, three men appeared at the house in which we were staying, having been sent to me from Caesarea. It's God's perfect timing. I just had this dream. It happened three times. Then three men appear, and it was God. And they told us how they had a dream on the other end and how an angel appeared, and, and it was God putting us together. Now, as Peter speaks to the leaders of the Jewish church, he leaves out a few uh, details. Three men appeared. They were Gentile men. At least one of them was a Roman soldier, an enemy. And this guy who's wanting to come is Cornelius, who is a Roman centurion. He's powerful. And they are from Caesarea. They have a major occupation. It is their main base for the region of occupying the Jews. Verse 12. The Spirit told me to go with them without misgivings. These six brethren, brethren meaning Jewish Christians, also went with me and we entered the man's house. Just calling him a man, but he's Cornelius a Roman soldier centurion, a Gentile dog, you're going into his house? What is going on? Leaves out a few details. Verse 13. He responded to us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, send to Joppa and have Simon, who is also called Peter, brought here. You see, God was working on both ends. It was the work of the Holy Spirit. He was drawing us together. He was pulling in the Gentiles. 14. And he will speak words to you by which you will be saved, you and all your household. Words that can save you. Peter said to Jesus, only you have the words of eternal life. Words that can save you. Where can I find words that will save my life and my soul and my future? It is the Holy Scriptures. It is the gospel. Words that can save you. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. Words that can save you. A scripture verse explaining the cross and believing in Christ to confess him as Lord, to put your faith that for God so loved the world, if, if you will believe. Words that can save you. I believe today you're going to hear words that can save you because we're reading from the Holy Scriptures. We're even going to read words of Jesus Christ himself in red 
words that can save you. If you hear the gospel, the word of God, and you believe in it, you put your faith in the name of Christ, you shall be saved. You will not be disappointed. I would hope in every church you would hear words that can save you. But the sad thing is there are some churches where they don't bring Bibles, they don't show scriptures, they don't preach and teach the words that can save you. And this is a tragedy. And hopefully as Christians, when we talk to our lost friends, we're giving them words that can save them. We quote them a verse. We give them a plaque. We tell them the gospel. 15. And I was beginning to speak. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as he did upon us at the beginning. As the scripture went out, as the gospel went out, the Holy Spirit came down. Now, I believe we need two things in our church. We needed the word of God and we need the Holy Spirit. We want the word to go out and we want the spirit to come down. Without the Holy Spirit, I'm afraid you're not going to really understand the scriptures. You're not going to get the conviction and the pulling and the drawing to Christ. So hopefully we are open to the Holy Spirit and we call upon the Holy Spirit and we say, go out with conviction, go out with the word of God. Holy Spirit, we need your help. Please partner with us. Because if we put the word out and we witness, but the Holy Spirit doesn't help us, It's not going to work. We need both the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, I'm afraid the church can become a dead orthodoxy. It could be like a boring seminary class. But the Holy Spirit makes it alive, and he touches us, and he convicts us, and he helps us to understand, and he helps us to remember. And it becomes a second Pentecost, From the beginning, back in the beginning of Acts, the 120 pray in the upper room. They wait like Jesus commanded, and the Holy Spirit comes down with giftings, with the fruit, with power, with inspiration, so they have the power to live the Christian life and be successful witnesses. But this happened to the Jewish Christians. The Holy Spirit's come back because he says, now I have to baptize in the Gentile Christians. I have to give them gifts and give them power and make them witnesses and show to the Jewish church that the Gentiles have been chosen by me and I have baptized them in. It is a second Pentecost and a confirmation that the Holy Spirit loves us all and he brings us all in if we would just but repent. Receive your new family members. The Jews have to receive Gentiles. It's going to be an adjustment. (laughs) Maybe you might flip out, man, that person, they're my enemy. They're from the wrong side of the tracks. They're the wrong color. I just, why did that person get saved? I'll never accept them into the church. Oh, no, you have to. If the Holy Spirit brings them in, if he saves them, you must accept them. 
The church is like family. You don't always get to choose your family. Have you noticed that? You have to accept your family. The crazy uncle, you know, the bratty sister, you know, the bossy brother, whatever. You accept and you love your family. And the Holy Spirit will save people. You don't want them to be saved. I've even seen the Holy Spirit save family members where that family member says, I don't want them in my spiritual family. I don't want them in the church. Now they're going to preach at me now that they're a Christian. You've got to accept who the Holy Spirit brings in and love them. Verse 16, And I remember the word of the Lord, how he used to say. Peter says, I remember what Jesus said. I remember what Jesus taught. You know, I lived with him almost three years. And here's the quote, John baptized, this is John the Baptist, baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Do you remember the ministry of John the Baptist, kind of a crazy guy living off the land, homeless out on the river, animal skins, eating insects in his teeth, you know? That <laughs> John the Baptist, he was powerful, anointed. He baptized with water. He covered and immersed and overflowed people with water as a symbol of repentance and, and a work of God. But when Jesus comes, he won't use water. He will bring the very Holy Spirit. He will blow on them the Holy Spirit. The Spirit will come upon them and around them and immerse them and overflow them. And remember, Jesus, after he rose, he came to the disciples and he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And he blew upon them. <sighs> I've seen human preachers try to do that. But can I tell you, no human can blow the Holy Spirit on you. Only God himself can give you the Holy Spirit. Only the Sovereign Spirit chooses whom he will touch and baptize and do a miracle and a wonder. You know, you must be open to him. Holy Spirit, come, touch me. And the Spirit decides. No human controls the very sovereign Spirit of God. 17. Therefore, if God gave to them the same gift as he gave to us also after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, you must become a Christian first. Put your faith in Christ first. Then you get the Holy Spirit. And Peter is saying, wow, what happened to them happened to us. The same gifts, the same power. Who was I that I could stand in God's way? This is our key verse. Peter's saying, I saw the Spirit do a work, and who was I as a human to stop him, to control him, to manipulate what the Spirit was doing? Sometimes we have to observe and, and tune in and pray and seek, what is the Spirit doing? What, I, I need to sense his moving and his flow and join him. Can I tell you, he ain't going to join you. You join him. You know, I always pray, God, you know, bless my plans. Here's what I'm doing. Come on, jump on a board. And God says, oh, no, that's a mess. You join my plan, what I'm doing. You join me. 18. 
when they heard this, they quieted down. They need to get quiet because they were arguing and fighting and saying, Peter, you have lost your mind. You're going to ruin the church. What are you doing? Our teaching, our background, our heritage, everything we've known you're going against. This is taboo. We can't let other races in. But see, they started to sense this is a God thing. God is opening the door. God is breaking down the walls. God is removing the barriers. And they're listening. And they're changing. They quieted down. And they glorified God, saying, Well then, God has granted to the Gentiles also repentance that leads to life. It is universal It is offered to all. I respect John Calvin, but in the teachings of Calvinism, to say limited atonement and to preach that the cross is only for a few and Jesus only died for the elect and for the church. Oh no, I just just don't see it. Thanks for supporting Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno at 246 Courtney Lane, Reno, Nevada, 89523. Our phone number is 775-746-4567, and our webpage is calvaryreno.com. You're always welcome to join our services.